0: This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Whenever tragedies happen in our community or around the world, it gets our attention. The murder of 10 people in the city of Boulder earlier this week has our attention. It has the attention of the world. God knows about it and today as we gather for worship in a different kind of a service I'm praying that God will help guide us to think the way he wants us to think I've been praying that God would give us the right words to say in this moment all of our hearts are crushed we can't believe that this would happen in our communities but it has so what would God say to us I want to share with you three words, three words, a word of lament and a word of warning and a word of comfort. I really believe that God would speak to us from the scriptures. We're not surprised to learn that the Bible addresses tragedies and unexpected disasters and even the worst of human sin and wickedness, violence. God speaks to it. So let me lead us in prayer as we begin and pray that God will help us to listen to his word. Father, I pray today as we open your scriptures that your Holy Spirit will open up your word and help us to hear what you would say to us from the word of God. Speak to us, comfort us, help us to think as you would think in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me begin with a word of lament. A lament is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. And we're not surprised to find that laments are all over the Bible because life has experiences that are filled with grief. What happened earlier this week in our community is an atrocious experience that results in a grief in our souls that's deep. So when we look in the Bible, we can see example after example of God's people in crisis, in devastating human experiences in which they call out to God in a lament, in an expression of grief that is so deep that at times, It almost sounds like an insult to God. David, the king of Israel, knew what it was to go through grievous experiences. In fact, King Saul tried to murder David. His own son pursued him to murder David. With murder in our minds, we hear this lament from David in Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? The cry of David was a cry to God. Why are you letting this happen? And all of us have probably cried out to God in this season Why is this happening? How can you let this happen? We find this kind of lament in the Bible again and again. And we just know that grief is an experience that we will have this side of heaven. I just want you to know that this lament for a person of faith always resolves to trust. So whenever you see a lament in the Bible, you carry on for a few more verses, for verse five, for example, and you will hear David resolve his lament in this way. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. There is a hopefulness in the midst of grief when our hearts are anchored on God. Grief is right. Grief is deep. And grief is a common human experience this side of heaven. We weep with those who weep. And we're going to weep for a long time for what happened in our community. And it's right that we would. There is a time to weep and to have grief. But I pray that you would be able to at least hold out there the resolution that I will yet trust in God in the midst of it and perhaps be comforted by this reality. Our savior is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Our Jesus knows what it is to have grief and to weep at death as he did at the tomb of his friend Lazarus and to weep over Jerusalem's absolute rebellion against God. Jesus, our savior, was acquainted with sorrow. So today, as we grieve for our loved ones in our community who have lost their life and the sorrow that we see all around us in the world, we know we can rest in a savior who knows what sorrow is. In fact, because we're approaching Holy Week, let's let our minds think about our Savior on the cross who in his own last sayings actually uttered what has to be considered his own lament when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a passionate expression of sorrow. But how did that resolve? With his very last words, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I, I give myself to you. And I pray that as we suffer in the grief of our current situation, that we will trust in God. Our hearts will rest in him and know that we are not alone in our suffering. This is a time to weep and lamentation is right. So here's a word of lament. We will suffer and have grief this side of heaven. The second word I wanna give to you is a word of warning. If you've been with us over the last three or four weeks, you know that we've been in this series called Battle Ready. And I wanna just guide our thoughts to think about what happened in our community in view of our series on the spiritual warfare that is all around us. So this is a word to warn us that we live in an evil day. We live in a day in which wickedness and evil is all around us, and that's the teaching of the Bible. If you have your Bible, I wanna remind you of a couple verses that we began with in our series. First, in 1 John chapter five and verse 19, when we think about the spiritual battle that we're in, John says, we know that we are from God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. He just underscores that all of the world is operating under some kind of demonic influence by the evil one, our enemy, our adversary, who hates God and hates God's people, the devil. And the whole world is in some way influenced by his rule as the God of this world. Turn to Ephesians chapter two, which we looked at a number of weeks ago. And in Ephesians chapter two, we find another reference to the way in which we live in an evil day. There Paul says in verse one, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Those are amazing phrases to indicate that behind the scenes in ways that we cannot perceive with our eyes, there is a spiritual influence of darkness all around the world, the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who is now working in disobedient people when I think about the events that happened this week, I think of the spirit of evil working in the hearts of people who hate and whose hearts are filled with violence and wickedness. We don't normally think of the demonic or the spiritual influence, but the Bible underscores that this is a real part of the the presence of sin. And violence and wickedness in our world. And if we needed one more evidence, then you can turn to John chapter 8 and verse 44, and we have actually very specific qualifications or evidences about the evil one, our enemy. There, Jesus was speaking to a group of Jews who had rejected him, and he said to them in verse 44, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you hear the words of our savior Jesus attributing to Satan He is the murderer from the beginning. And whenever murder happens, there is some sense in which the demonic influence of hatred for God is manifest. That's why, that's why actually in the very opening book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 9, There's a warning there that God said, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man his blood will be shed for man was created in the image of God. Whenever murder happens, it is first and foremost an offense against God who created men and women in his image. When we think about what happened in our community, these murders were obviously a direct offense against the victims. And it was against their families. And it was against our community. And all of us feel the weight that when this kind of violence happens, we're grieved and offended. How could this happen? But in the most ultimate sense, every sin is an offense, a defiant act against God. This is why when David, in his psalm of confession in Psalm 51, after he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uriah, her husband, killed and had lied to others, he made his confession, God, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. All of our sins are always a transgression against God. And there's always something at work around us. Hey, this is a warning for us, that we live in a day when there are influences around us and we see what happens in the world and we may be often oblivious to what's going on. But the biblical way of understanding is that there is a powerful influence that hates God, And loves to offend him by every transgression, great and small, as this has been. This is a warning to us. It's a warning that we actually do live in a very dark day. And that the powers of darkness are all around us. But we understand that the Son of God entered the world in order to destroy the works of the devil. And so we cling to him. Will you receive from the Bible today the warning that this is a dark and evil day? When Paul wrote to the Galatians church, he wrote to them and said uh, in Galatians chapter one, if I can find it, and verse four, he said, grace and peace to you from Our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins in order to deliver us from this present age, this present evil age. Jesus came into the world to deliver us from evil. That's why we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Deliver us from evil that's all around us we've been awakened to the warning that we live in an evil day. We know it and we carry on as if everything's well, but sometimes these events awaken us that we must repent and we must turn to the Lord. When terrible things happened in Jesus' day, recorded in Luke chapter 13, people said, why were the people in the temple murdered? why did that big temple in Siloam fall over and kill 18 people? Jesus didn't give an explanation as to why that evil happened. He simply said this, you must repent or you will likewise perish in your sins. These are warning times for us that we know the day is evil. And this is why Jesus came into the world. I hope you'll receive that warning and be, in the context of our prior series, battle ready. The last word I would give to you is a word of comfort. Thankfully, God's word is not silent about the sorrows that we go through and that we experience in our life. What we know is the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's why he constantly says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, you who are burdened, and who among us is not feeling the burden and the weight and the grief of the sorrow of our our day and in our community. Earlier this week, I was in a prayer meeting, a, a gathering at Cornerstone Church in our community, and there were hundreds of people a candlelight service, remembering those who were slain. And there was a comfort there in the corporate gathering of remembering and praying and calling out on the name of the Lord. Do you think the Lord hears us when we call out to him? Honestly, there are times in the midst of grief that we would say the lament, Lord, where are you? Do you hear us? I just want to encourage you, let your cry to the Lord resolve and trust because he does hear you. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he does save those who are crushed in spirit. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Which begins, First Peter 5, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Firm in your faith. One more verse I want to share with you, maybe two. Turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to give you a word of comfort. And this is perfect timing for us one week before Easter. It's right for us on the verge of Easter to remember our Savior. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 remind us that we have a Savior who is now ascended into heaven, and in heaven is our high priest. As the high priest ascended into heaven to the right hand of God, he prays for his own. He's praying for us now. And the writer of Hebrews says in verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You let that sink in? Everything that you are feeling right now, Jesus felt. Every sadness, every sense of indignation against unjust suffering and violence, Jesus felt that. Jesus bore that. We have a high priest who does sympathize, does know what we're feeling in this very moment. So what should we do? Verse 16, let us then with confidence, not sheepishly, not doubtingly, but with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You would agree with me, right? That this is our time of need. This is our time. Our community needs us. Our children need us. Those around us need us. So we draw near to the throne of grace where the great high priest is there interceding for us, praying on our behalf and asking for grace to help in our time of need. And he will give it. Sometimes we wait, but we wait on the Lord and we're resolved to keep trusting in him that this is true. listen, it's right to lament and to express grief. And it's appropriate that we should be warned about the day in which we live but I don't wanna leave you without a sense of comfort that it's absolutely right for us to draw near to him and to trust in him in this moment. And what helps us most to resolve our present grief with an anchored faith in the future is the fact that the Bible ends with a great picture of sin And violence and murder and every form of iniquity being vanquished and removed. So here is the last picture in our Bible, Revelation chapter 21. It says of our great Savior and High Priest, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the picture of the end of the age. We're in the present evil age, but we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let it be that you come back and right every wrong and usher us into an eternal kingdom where there will never be Sorrow, tear, sin, violence, or death. How will that happen? Verse 20, Chapter 22, verse 3 says, No longer will there be anything accursed. There will never be any sin, anything that God hates, anything God has said, that is not my will, that will be vanquished and removed. And the throne of God and the lamb will be in that great city and his servants will worship him. We will see his face and his name will be on our foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Hey, this is the picture of the end of the age. We're here in the broken age of evil. We look back this week to the death and resurrection of Christ and thank him for coming into the world and know that we are in the in-between stage where there is something already that we have. Christ is our savior, but we look forward and are comforted by the reality that today we may draw near to the throne of grace, And soon he will usher in his kingdom and right every wrong. I pray you'll be comforted by that and that you'll grieve appropriately and that you'll guard your heart against every evil and say, as the very last verse of the Bible concludes, I am coming soon. Yes, Lord, come quickly. That's what we pray for. May the Lord comfort you. We're going to be praying for you. And if we can pray further, I ask you to let us know how we can pray with you during this time of grief. Let's bow our hearts together. Father, I pray for everyone listening. And I ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, will come into our hearts with assurances of what the Bible has said to us in a time of sadness and grief and perhaps even anger at this kind of suffering we've experienced. But help us, God, to think as you have spoken in your word. And may we be comforted anew today to know that we have a great high priest who knows our suffering and invites us to draw near to experience God himself giving grace and mercy from his throne in heaven. You are not far away. So we call to you, Lord. We ask you to draw near. We draw near to you. Comfort our hearts. We pray for our cities. We ask that the mercy of God will be upon Boulder in a unique and special way and that you will bring about a revival and a renewal and a healing that you alone can do. You are the comforter. So comfort us, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we all pray together. Amen.